And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything's potable. The most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. Welcome to... Anything is possible! The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic. And we were recording on a Saturday morning. The Celtics have won five games in a row, and they will just not stop scoring the basketball. Jay, the offense is just operating at in an insane level right now and uh it's leading to winning basketball how are they doing it how do they just like keep scoring and shooting over 50 percent it's just not it's not normal levels of offensive basketball yeah they're not playing ridiculous basketball right now offensively it's just i mean it's it's truly unfathomable that the team with the same core players that started last year is playing like this. This is a group of guys that used to just pound the ball into the floor, take bullshit shots, piss Marcus Smart off to no end because he just wanted everyone to pass the ball. (laughs) And now everybody passes. And now everybody works really hard off ball. And... Like the off-ball movement, the cutting, the screening, the the work to prepare for shots in, instead of just like taking bad shots, um, it's all really, really impressive. And then on top of that, they just have a lot of shooting and a lot of smart players. Um, so... It is really working right now. They have shot better than 53% in three of their last four games, which is outrageous. Um, like, they didn't really need to get stops against the Nuggets. The Nuggets scored a ton, too. <laughs> they, and, didn't, they, they didn't get stops against the Nuggets. <laughs> and it just didn't matter, like because the Celtics were never going to stop scoring. Um, so I think Jeff Clark, Celtics blog, tweeted it like at first I was worried about the defense and I think he said something like new defense (laughs) (laughs) and that's kind of how it is like last year the defense was the Celtics superpower so far through 12 games it's been the offense um and they can just really 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 score that thing and just watching them like it's beautiful basketball it, it really is. Yeah, it's it's not – I mean, I, I like definitely think they have – Yeah, it's not like they're just having amazing shooting seasons like everyone. 
I do think they have like better shooters out there on the floor generally. And um, with Brogdon and Hauser getting more minutes, um, but Brogdon wasn't there uh, in the game last night. And Hauser, I don't think made a three. It's just like the ease of the basket. Oh, we made one, but they're, they're making a lot of threes, but I, I even just don't think it's like shooting a, an abnormally high percentage there. It's just the ease in which they're getting baskets at the rim and the amount of cuts that Hauser seems to be doing a good job of it, but just like the easy baskets that Tatum is getting at just from back cuts or off ball screens and movement off the ball, just for easy offense for them, it feels like it was really opening things up and then. The quality of threes, I just think, has been so much better. I think Horford benefited this from a lot last night against the Nuggets as you put so much pressure on the rim and you put Horford in a, a kind of pick and pop. Um, just with Horford at the five, like the, and I guess this is probably matchup dependent with Jokic, but Jokic is going to be in the middle. But Horford hit six threes and I don't think one of them was anyone was anywhere close to contesting. Like he's going to get those easy pick and pop threes. He's going to be left alone in the corner. And it just feels like they have personnel right now where, especially in these lineups where they, they have a lot of shooting, um, whether it be the bench lineups or, or Horford out there, they're uh, like really putting uh, a lot of effort on attacking the rim. And I think it's opening up their three point game as well. And, um, it's just, it's just wild stuff. Like they, they scored 24 points in the first six minutes. Uh, and it's just, Everything looks easy for them right now on the offensive end, which is just wild to say about a team that clawed their way through the playoffs last year, barely being able to score points uh, when they needed them. Yeah, like their offense is really, really good at the end of last season. But this year is just extremely different. Um, and I think Jason Tatum's performance yesterday, like like his performance in a lot of games this season, kind of illustrates the difference. He shot 0 for 3 on long mid-range jumpers. He shot 2 for 7 on threes. And he had 34 points on 11 for 21 shooting. Like, just a really bad shooting night for him. And he shot nine for 11 from the paint and drew 11 free throw times. He just gets 30 points now. Like even if he shoots poorly as he kind of did last night, like it's, he's going to get 30 points. And that's just like a wild evolution of his game. Cause it feels like last year when he shot poorly, he could turn in like a 14 point performance, but now it's no matter what happens, he's going to be in that 30 point range, which is just a huge leap. And just a huge amount of points for the Celtics to be able to rely on and have every single game. Yeah, and they uh and he he's probably the the like prime example for them of used to just stand around and not really do much off ball and wait for his turn and then take his turn. And now he's like going and screening for people he's sprinting into cuts he's like going a hundred miles an hour to set a screen for a guy and then slipping it and getting all the way to the hoop for a dunk the the level of pace that he's playing with and it's typical of the rest of the team like everybody's doing it like they're just they're just operating at such a high level 
in the half court offense that nobody has been able to stop them. They uh their offensive efficiency against the Nuggets was the best any team has had this year in any game. Uh, I think it what was, was 140? 140. 140.9 points for 100 possessions, which is just kind of ludicrous. And I think uh, I think I saw the stat that it's like the gap between them and the second place team in terms of offensive rating is as big as the gap between the second place team and like the eleventh place team in the NBA. So they're just absolutely head and shoulders it, the best. Say that on the last podcast. I mean, I I Are don't you know. Just taking a stat that I said on the last podcast and pawning it off as your own. I was no means pawning it off on my own. I was, uh, I did not know how to attribute it. I don't know where I heard that from. I assumed I saw it on Twitter and was trying to uh, repurpose it. But if you said that on the last podcast, you have fully integrated into my brain. So I think that's a kudos to you, sir. But by the way, that stat is even worse now or even better. So in the half court, they have, they are scoring a hundred. 8.5 points per 100 plays. The next best is Dallas at 100.3. So that's an eight point difference, which is the difference between Dallas and 24th ranked Oklahoma City. <laughs> Oklahoma City. Like what? What in the world? They are they have been that much better in the half court than anybody. And they do it without offensive rebounds. Like that, that's what's kind of crazy to me is this is all just first shots going in. Like <laughs> it's, uh, and, and they haven't really had off nights. Like they've had a couple of stretches where they kind of revert to bad habits and don't play the same way. Like I think like the after, they got up 20 on the Bulls in the loss of the Bulls. It was like that. Um, after they had a really great first half in the first Cleveland game, it was kind of like that for a while in the third quarter. But for the most part, this has been super consistent. Like game after game, they just kind of execute at a super high level and get really open shots and get to the rim and draw free throws. Um, they just keep doing it. One thing that I think it, it didn't happen as much last night because he was in foul trouble, but Marcus Smart, I just think that the way they're playing offense is so advantageous for him. And before uh, last night he was in foul trouble, he had three games with double-digit assists. That Especially that Memphis game, it just felt like he has – the vision and he is the, he is the guy who's always looking for that person on the backdoor cut. I mean, he will do ridiculous behind the back nonsense just because I feel like Marcus Smart, uh, gets his rocks off. Like he, uh, one of his favorite things is, is, um, dropping a dime. And I just feel like with all the movement, I, I think he's probably the best passer on the team. And I just think his, it's really benefiting him just having all these different guys moving around him. And I just think he's been a very solid basketball player. He was a plus 28 last night in his, in his limited 23 minutes, but. And what um, did he take four shots? Yeah, he was two for four, four shots. He had four assists. Um, 
But yeah, I just think his ball movement, uh, I think he's top 10 in the league in assists and even higher than in, in hockey assists. It just feels like the Celtics are doing such a good job of, um, just working the basketball around Jason Tatum. Uh, I think I checked this on Wednesday, but, um, 60% of his three pointers right now are, are assisted, which is like much higher than I think it was 50% the uh, last year. And then like 40% before that, like they're just getting easier baskets off their ball movement. And it's just so much less one-on-one. And I think Marcus Smart deserves a lot of credit for that. I think Malcolm Brogdon, even though he's been hurt the past couple of games, uh, just makes it so there's really no let up in the second unit. And then just all the like role players feel like they're just Grant Williams is doing an excellent job of like, he's just not a catch and shoot guy anymore. He can put the ball on the floor and make some plays. It's just everything seems to be clicking right now for them on the offensive end. And um, it just feels like they have the perfect personnel for it. Like even we saw last night, Malcolm Brogdon not playing. Having Peyton Pritchard just be come off the bench as a guy who like was DNPs for basically the entire season, just come off and be a very solid contribution for them. I guess on the offensive end of the floor, there's just everything's working for the Celtics. And uh, the Pritchard's teammates loved, loved, loved his offensive rebounds. (laughs) They were so happy when, when he got those three offensive rebounds in a row they like that was an absurd sequence honestly like wild stuff little little tiny Peyton Pritchard just going in there and and beating DeAndre Jordan to rebound after rebound and then stealing the last rebound from him and getting a layup that was Uh, that probably wasn't it probably wasn't his best offensive rebound of the night he had that nice putback on like a Tatum drive that was like Floating in the air came out of nowhere. Oh no, those were his best offensive rebounds. (laughs) All right, all right. But the thing is, like the you mentioned, how happy his teammates are for him. It just goes to a sense of like we didn't know what the vibes were going to be. And yes, I'm I'm coming in here being vibes consultant and trying to assess body language and stuff like that. But coming out of the email situation, it was kind of unclear what the kind of approach and mentality and kind of tone of this team was going to be and obviously winning and scoring a bunch of points is going to help uh vibes generally but it feels like the team is very locked in but also having a good time i don't know you are you have access to the locker room you're not a lower tiered credential media member like me but this team seems to be enjoying themselves they seem to uh like playing for joe missoula and there doesn't seem to be a lot of drop off from where they were last year. And I can't say that like the email situation hasn't affected them at all. I have no idea, but there's no like apparent like flaws or uh, uh, huge problems that have seemed to rear their head so far this season. Yeah. They've come in with the right mindset uh, and a team first mindset. And I think they've realized that if everybody does the right stuff offensively, like, if everybody cuts the right way, if everybody has the right spacing, if everybody looks for the next guy and and makes the extra pass, then everybody will get their stats. <laughs> like, like you don't have to worry about stats if you just play the right way. Then my, one of my brothers always says it like the the floor tilts to the the right energy. 
And <laughs> Does your brother say that, or is that a Brad Stevens quote? Doesn't it, the ball has energy? No, no, this, that, this is my brother. Which brother, brother, though? It might be all my brothers. Um, <laughs> it's a Jake. It's a King they're, family they're saying. All, they're all very similar, <laughs> very similar players, uh, or very similar people. But yeah, it just the the floor tilts, and and like when you play the right way, everybody gets rewarded for it, and that's that's kind of how it's been. They've got. Hauser and Grant Williams shooting around 50% from three. They've got Al Horford shooting around 50% from three. They've got Jason and Tatum and Jalen Brown, I think, as the highest scoring duo in the league. They've got Marcus Smart, like, not really taking a lot of shots at all, but setting right now a career high in assists. Um, and, and you get the sense that he really likes those assists based on how he looks at his hands afterward. Uh, like Brogdon has come in and just been like his usage rate is up from last season. And, and that's totally cool because everybody else is kind of working around him in that second unit. And you got Luke Cornette almost getting a double double. I mean, he, he near, he nearly got, got your double double, but it's just like, and I, I feel like the, the Kyrie team, the second year, they never got that. I, I remember asking Marcus Morris. This was like years ago. And this was when they played really well. Um, and somebody had talked about, I forget, I forget who had talked about it. Um, but around that time, someone, someone else from another team or something had, had said a quote that we could all eat or something. And the Celtics, they had like a streak of like five or six 30 assist games that year. And I remember asking him, like, are you guys realizing you can all lead if you play the right way? And he, he kind of like chuckled and was like, we can all eat. I, I forget exactly what the quote was, but I was like, <laughs> he's like, no, we haven't realized that at all. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, no, these guys do not realize they can all eat. Um, but this year's team does like, and, and now they're not worried about stats anymore. And the stats are coming and they're coming better and they're coming more efficiently. And that's just kind of how it goes. It's it's amazing what happens when you just commit to the team. Uh, before we get to the outrageously too early Jason MVP talk, I want to get to. I, we haven't gone to the phone lines in a while, um, but we have some people here waiting. So let's jump in with them. Peter L, come on down to anything is potable. How are you doing, Peter? Hi there, uh, Jay Sam. Thanks very much for hosting this morning. Um, I, I know you said on. just now. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, you just said just now it might be too early to get into the Tatum for MVP uh, question, but that's actually what I wanted to talk about. Um, Let's do it then. So I'm a little curious how how much correlation there is here, but it, it is notable to me that, and again, it's super early. And Luca had a couple off nights, but Luca seems to be maybe the front runner or among the front runners for MVP, perhaps ahead of Tatum, according to. Um, Certainly among my friends, it seems that way among the media. Um, but of course, as we just, as you were just talking about, the Mavs lag. So, well, it's not that they lag behind the Celtics, it's that the Celtics offensive rating is in, insanely strong. And Tatum seems to, um, I don't actually know, well, I, this is, I guess, why I'm asking here. 
Is his usage that much different from Luca's? Is that attributable to the uh, to the sharing that the Celtics do with the ball? Um, should we really want him to be the MVP if it could hurt the offense? I mean, I guess the question there is, how much of the scoring should he own? Uh, how much how much interplay between Tatum trying to be the MVP and a team trying to be the best it can be is there? And what's the trade off? It's a good question. I, I don't think there should be a trade off. Like. If Tatum is the MVP, it's going to be because the Celtics have won a ton of games and he has been efficient. He has been well-rounded. What separates him from Luka, if, like obviously Luka, Luka might be the best playmaker in the world, the best. Like he's a European LeBron James in, in the way he controls the game and does everything like that. But what separates Tatum is he plays both ways. He can guard your best player. He, he now has become like this guy who doesn't really need the ball all the time to score. Like he, he can catch, uh, like he, he sets up everything to, to score efficiently and so that he doesn't have to pound it into the floor anymore and use up a ton of the shot clock and stuff like that, like he used to. So I think if Tatum gets his stats, and it continues to come in the flow of the offense, then if he is the MVP, it is going to be because he has done all the right stuff and it has helped the Celtics win games. Like, I, I don't think there's any trade-off there. Um, I don't think there's there's any downside if he continues to play the way he is right now. Um, now, if, if that changes at some point, if, if he goes back to dribble, 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 contested shot, then... Maybe, but right now, the way he's playing, the way the team is playing, the more he does, the better. Yeah, I don't think Tatum's ever going to win just like a statistical battle with Luka just in terms of points, rebounds, assists. Just be, But Luka's usage rate is a skosh under 40% right now. Like the entire oh, map, a skosh? A little bit. <laughs> a skosh. I, I don't think I've ever heard of that word before. You've never heard of skosh. Well, how do you it, how do you spell skosh? I would don't know, but I'm going to guess S C H O C H E. A skosh. <laughs> <laughs> a skosh under forty percent. So it's at thirty. Uh, thirty nine usage rate. So like the entire Mavs offense is. Luka Doncic. So Luka Doncic is going to put up a crazy number of stats. Um, and he's phenomenal. He is amazing. I think the way in which Jason, the path for Jason Tatum to win MVP is to continue to put up the numbers he has, to like continue to have like the average 30 points a game and, uh, however many rebounds and assists. But then the Celtics need to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference or in the league and that they need to be at the top of the conference. I think. If Luka Doncic puts up all of these crazy stats, but the Mavericks are, I don't know, a sixth seed in the West, uh, like the Western Conference is pretty tough. I think you can see yourself giving the nod to uh, a, t- a player on a, on a more successful basketball team. Uh, the person who's probably hasn't entered this conversation who should is that uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo fellow, who's also averaging 31 points and is shooting 54% from the field and 
also averages 10 rebounds a game or 12 rebounds a game at this point and is just completely dominant. Like I think there may be some fatigue in not giving it to Giannis, but I definitely think there's a path here for Jason Tatum. The crazy thing about the what's going on in the league this year is right now there's still seven guys who are averaging 30 points per game, which is just feels outrageously high. Uh, I don't know how sustainable it is. I mean, Kevin Durant and Shea are still at, uh, like just above 30, a skosh above 30. A skosh. Well, uh, like scoring is definitely feels like it's, it's up. And I think that there's a, there's a good possibility that Doncic, uh, Giannis, Tatum, maybe Curry at this point, Donovan Mitchell's also up there. If they could, if they all finish above 30, I think you got to go to something beyond just, uh, counting stats. And I think Tatum, if the Celtics remain successful, um, well, certainly has to be in that conversation at this point because of what you mentioned, because he's doing everything on the defensive end as well. And because he's like the, the leader of the team and the team is achieving so much success. Yeah. And, and not that I'm comparing to Luca right now, but the, or, Giannis, because Giannis is just absurd. But as I look at the stats, the thing that jumps out is two-point percentage. Last year, Tatum set a career high with 52.4% on twos. He's at 60.6% right now. 60.6. And it's like he's shooting well on on long mid-ranges. But a lot of it is just getting easy shots at the rim and finishing. And that's the difference now is he's he's working hard to get the easy shots. So, yeah, if he gets the MVP, it will be good for the Celtics. <laughs> bold, bold take from JT. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Let's go to Mark L. on Anything is Potable. Mark, how are you doing? Mark? 
Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Hey. Hey. Uh, we got All right. Sorry. AirPod issue. Um, first, I want to say, I think it's obvious that Jan's legal career is going to be a huge success because most of the lawyers that I know just take other people's thoughts and ideas and pawn them off as their own. <laughs> That's <laughs> the business. That's the entire profession. Reading other people's arguments and acting like it's your own. Congrats, Jamie, and you're very welcome. So that's great. Um, the offense is a joy, as you guys said, especially even more joyful and erotic for the uh, dental surgery that was off in the offense in the playoff, watching the offense in the playoffs last year. I had three quick questions. One, is Derek White's three-point shooting sustainable? It looks like he changed his shot. I've read about shooting coach or whatever. We know he gets a little mentally fragile at times. We saw that in the playoffs last year. Is that sustainable? Two, what is the path to reducing Jalen and Jason's minute load a bit? Three, four minute a game. Question three, is that, does that path involve trading Derek White for someone who is above six foot five, six foot six and can shoot? And that's it. Good questions. Uh, the, the white shooting stuff, he definitely seems to be shooting it with more confidence. And I think that's the key is just stay confident. Last year during the playoffs, you could just see him like just his confidence just deflate at times and teams would lay off him. Teams would beg him to shoot and it just didn't always happen for him. Uh, so I think it's, it's a lot of it is just confidence. Um, and the way the Celtics are playing offense, the, the rhythm of it, the, the timely passing, all of that, that, that tends to help guys shoot. I think Brad Stevens once said it, like the best shooting teams are the best passing teams. And the this ball team has passed. energy. It tilts towards greatness, always twirling towards freedom. I think I, I, I think I screwed up the floor tilting quote. Too. <laughs> I, I think you I'm did too. It doesn't, up, so it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I was, I was a skosh off on that one. <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> but I, I don't think he'll shoot 41.5% just because that has never been him. But if he can be 36, 37 and just not have super bad stretches where he has no confidence at all, then that's all the Celtics need from him because he does so much else. He plays so much defense. That block he had on Aaron Gordon. He is awesome. the, he is the best player I've seen at contesting shots while like moving backwards. I just never seen anyone with like that kind of skill set. But he's just contesting drives is just something he is elite at. It's wild. If he were a center size, he would be like the greatest contester of all time. Like this dude is six four ish, however tall he is, and makes a serious, serious impact at the rim. And rarely fouls, too. Like, he, he's just so good at it. Um, he, he's just, like, just watching him on a regular basis, he does that all the time, where he, he contests at the rim, he goes straight up, and he bothers somebody who's much bigger than he is and forces a miss. It's really impressive. Uh, but anyway, I, I think, first of all, the the minute stuff, they just need to stop playing those guys tons of minutes. Like, well, that's they, sustainable. 
this is in- it's not worth it to fight so hard for early season wins. But I think if if Joe Mazzulla is not going to do that, and it seems like he's not, then the path to fewer minutes for those guys is playing more defense and getting more blowout wins and being able to sit them in the fourth quarter. That's like they, they, yeah, I mean, the, the game and against Rob the Pistons. Will help too. Yeah, Rob coming back will clearly help. Just then they'll be able to play smaller and, or bigger rather. And, and then get away with playing more guards and it, it'll, that'll all help limit the minutes. Yeah. As soon as Rob come back, you can play a lot more two big lineups, which means less time for Tatum and Brown respectively having to play the four. But the key is just like to win basketball games against the Pistons. They Tatum played 31 minutes, Jalen 30, and they like had that, uh, had that game in hand. I thought they could have taken the, uh, Starters out a little bit earlier in that game. Uh, against the Nuggets, a little bit of a different story. They still won by a lot, but they play a lot of games. I don't think trading Derek White, I just think he gives you too, like, too much off the bench and it's like, doesn't make any sense to ruin the chemistry right now. But I do think the, the starters need to play a little bit less. I'm very curious. We're recording this on Saturday before the, uh, back to back game against the Pistons. I would assume that Al Horford woke up this morning with some back tightness um, and, that he, <laughs> and that he won't play today. Uh, we already saw Malcolm Brogdon with a little bit of uh, uh, of a hamstring issue, which I don't know is it's that serious. But multiple times in the game last night, it was like Jalen came up limping a little bit. Jason Tatum came up limping uh, after a flagrant foul where he landed on someone. He goes to he. I feel like Tatum hits the floor a decent amount. He still has that uh, wrist guard on. I don't know if it's like tonight's the type of game where they're looking to, you know, grab some rest for some guys because they are not taking the uh, the approach of just like giving guys a, a, a night off here or there. Um, and I wonder if that's something they try to do, especially on like a back to back where I feel like they have a lot of games uh, in November and December uh, and a lot of kind of like three games and four nights situations. I'm just curious if they'll try to arrest a guy um, other than Al Horford on, on back-to-backs moving forward. Yeah, I don't know if moving forward is the right word there, but I think later in the season they'll look to pick their spots and, and give guys rest, as long as they pile up a lot of wins early and have a pretty good seed situation. Um, like, they're a team that knows it can win on the road in the playoffs. They won some huge games on the road in the playoffs last year. So seeding shouldn't matter as much to them. Obviously, you'd rather have home court advantage. Um, but at some point, like, like for them, literally, it didn't matter whether that home were on the road last year. They almost played better on the road during the playoffs. So they shouldn't really worry too much about that. Um, but yeah, the minute thing is, it's weird. <laughs> it was an organizational goal to limit minutes and they haven't done that at all like not even a little bit everybody's playing career high in minutes marcus smart jason tatum jalen brown all career highs in minutes and it's early but that's not the greatest sign so i feel like we, we can wrap it up here i have a question for you jay um what was your preferred moment from last night against the nuggets was it one luke Cornette? 
doing a reverse putback dunk. Oh, that, that was that was a fantastic moment. That was electric. Or was it Aaron Gordon running through the chest of Grant Williams because the Celtics were doing their time wasting shenanigans again? Uh you didn't even give the JD Davison to Cornet Alley Oop option. I I it didn't register for me as as top as top tiers those moments. It was a good honorable mention, I'll give you that. But the Aaron Gordon moment, <laughs> that moment was just incredible because especially looking at it live. So once I saw the replay, I saw Grant kind of like slide over. Um, but when I watched live from my angle, I couldn't see that. And I just saw Aaron Gordon just fucking truck stick Grant Williams and like just put his shoulder down and level him. And it was kind of like, holy God, that just happened. Uh, and the so, refs uh, blew the whistle before the the foul happened, which I, I I got in a fight with not a fight, but I was like, "You're wrong about this, Corrales." And he's like, "No, I went back and watched the tape. They blew the whistle, so the refs didn't know what to do with like the Celtics wasting time, and they didn't like it. And Aaron Gordon knew what to do, and that was to ta- go through the chest of Grant Williams. The, uh, <laughs> the uh, so. I asked Grant about it after the game, and Grant kind of was like, "Yeah, he he was supposed to do that. Like we were we, we were doing some wild shit to skirt the rules, and he was just making a play on the ball. Basically, is what Grant Williams said. I I added a swear word in there because that's just who I am. Um, but yeah, that that rule is so stupid." Like you should not be able to just roll the ball in and in the fourth quarter, just allow seconds to tick off the clock. And that, the Celtics went so far with it. Like it wasn't like they were just rolling it in and the one guy was just standing there and, and the other team was backing off. Like, no, like Grant Williams and Al Horford were stationed. To, <laughs> they were to be, offensive to linemen. Be in between. <laughs> yeah, they, they were literally setting blocks for Jason Tatum. It, it was like like the flying V. It, it was, I mean, just, that's outrageous. It's gone too far. Let's let's change the rule. Let's Let's find some, whether it's like you just don't have that in the fourth quarter or – or what, but you cannot be standing in front of a guy so that he would roll the ball. But yeah, you just can't have like the shot clock not run if the other clock is going to run. Like it just creates this weird system that you, but shout out to you had this in your story. Just an amazing Ty Lawson clip where he got 22 seconds off the clock, uh, back in the day. Uh, yeah, that was great because I didn't, I didn't remember that. Uh, and Grant was like, yeah. He's like, we all learned it when Ty Lawson did it. <laughs> I was like, Ty Lawson? Uh, I was like, how bad did Ty Lawson do it? He's like, pretty bad. And then I looked back and, uh, sure enough, it was pretty fucking bad. 22 seconds, but he didn't have blockers in front of him. He, he didn't have offensive linemen. He just, just did it on his own. And I don't think the other team even realized that he was doing it which is the best part. But now teams realize it. And Aaron Gordon surely fucking realized it. <laughs> and, <laughs> but when it happened, I really just thought he had just tackled Grant. Uh, 
it, from my standpoint, it looked like he ran directly into him without even trying to move. Um, and he kind of did, but, <laughs> but also like Grant did slide into him a little bit. And, and you could see he was just trying to get around the blockers and, and rush the passer. Hey, you know what? He got to the quarterback, or I guess he didn't. He didn't, he didn't get to sack Jason Tatum, but Jason Tatum picked up that basketball. He stopped the clock. They got what they wanted to happen on that. So, uh, I guess no harm, no foul. Actually, that's not the case at all because it was ruled a flagrant foul. Um, but. You know, it was just a, a fun moment in a, a wild basketball game. Do you have any more junk? Any more junk? I, I was looking at my notes. I don't have anything else in there except for there was a terrible foul call on Marcus Smart in like the first minute of the game when he just dove on the floor and got the basketball. But that was a bad foul call. It was super bad. He just like stole the basketball and they were just like, uh, foul on you for stealing. Yeah, that, that was a weird one. That was definitely a weird one. Um, the, the Celtics, one one piece from the locker room, Grant Williams, after the game, was talking to Jason Tatum. And was like, man, I thought I did a pretty good job defensively today. He's like, he's still at 30. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like a, a moment of respect, I, I felt like. Uh, and then the, the Celtics also had somebody brought cupcakes in. And... And everyone was making fun of Grant for, for being, having a little more weight to him than the rest <laughs> of his teammates and, and telling him that, that he should cut out the cupcakes and not have a cupcake. And, and so that was fun too. Uh, my one other piece of junk is that there was a play early in the game where Jokic kicked the ball and it just went right back into Jalen Brown's hands and just like the refs didn't say anything and everyone was just generally confused. And I think it led to a, like, Hauser desperation heave, but I don't think I've seen that before where they just immediate kick right back into the hands of a player and just uh, play on. But oh, I do, one, one more locker room moment. I got I got more junk. I got ooh, more junk than, than Packer does. You got more uh, junk than Grant Williams. Am I right, folks? Peyton Pritchard had he wore like cargo pants and then like a jacket that also had like cargo ish pockets. And Blake Griffin was just telling him, asking him how many pockets he needed. Um, and then he's like, you got cargo pants and cargo jackets, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, so, so that was good fun as well. The, uh, the vibes seem to be strong right now. That's lot, what happens. A lot, guys, a lot of guys talking shit to each other. That, that's the, that's the good vibes is when guys are talking shit. Yeah, roasting each other. I mean, that will happen when you're nine and three, when you're winning five games in a row and you have the leagues by and far the best offense and you just scored 140 points for 100 possessions. Things seem to be going well for the Celtics. Good news for them. They have some pretty easy schedule coming up. They look to extend the winning streak to seven games, playing the Pistons and the Thunder. Jay and I will be back later next week to break it all down and see if they keep roasting each other, the vibes remain immaculate, and if the uh, Celtics just keep scoring. Thank you guys for listening. I uh, have not thought of a creative way to end this podcast, so I will just say anything is potable, anything is potable, anything is potable. Scotia is potable. A Scotia is potable. 
tilting basketballs towards justice is also yeah, fucked up. Fantastic. <laughs> it doesn't matter because anything is possible. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.